What's up? It's Nostalgia, uh, your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. Dave, I spun around the world without a care. When I stopped, I felt lost. Cool. I'm two heels from the top tier. I really want to be boss. What's up, man? Come to bargain, Pat. Or sorry, Dormammu. I come to bargain. <laughs> well, I'm just going to kill you multiple times. That was a great scene. Amazing scene. And I'm, I'm excited to talk with you more about it. We have a packed show today. We're going to be spanning trailer talk, new music, a new Tribe Called Quest album, and I finally saw Doctor Strange, so we can yes. do a spoiler cast on that. That will be at the end. Very good. But we should start another loss for 2016, R.I.P. Leonard Cohen. Rip, rip. Dave, anything to say about Leonard Cohen? Eulogize him real quick. Well, I think SNL did a pretty good job eulogizing him this past week. We'll get more to SNL later. Yeah, but, uh, I thought it was okay. It was kind of weird. Yeah, Leonard Cohen, I mean, I think pretty much everybody knows him for his... He wrote the song Hallelujah, which has been covered endlessly, pretty much. Most recently by Kate McKinnon. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful song, incredible lyrics, and, and that seems to be what people are saying about him. I wasn't a fan. I didn't really listen to him a lot. Same. I guess I can't say I wasn't a fan. I wasn't really familiar with his work, so... Right. Just uh, another loss for 2016, man. I mean, is anyone going to get out alive this year? Yeah, hits keep on coming. Month and a half month and a half. Someone ju- just make sure Kanye gets to Time Shooting Center on, on the 11th of December, please. Oh, he could fall like off the stage or oh, something. no. Like that wrestling. All right. I, I really, we, we, we can't, we can't <laughs> talk about this. Moving on. So there's a lot of new, a lot of new trailers coming out. It's a peak time for movies. Yeah. Fantastic Beast is coming out this Thursday. And Moana, right? Yeah. Moana's coming out. Yeah. Arrival has been killing it. Doctor Strange has been killing it. Allied's coming out. And then all of Oscar season's about to start. We basically went through like three months where there wasn't really any good movies out, and yeah. now they're all coming out. Yeah, late summer, early fall was very dull. Oh, but we had Suicide Squad. And if you want to hear our thoughts on Suicide Squad, soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod. Full story fast. But I wanted to hear your thoughts on a couple of these, Dave. So why don't we start with Ghost in the Shell? Yeah. Scarlett Johansson playing a robot? I guess. Yeah, are you familiar with that no. media franchise? Yeah, Ghost in the Shell is a Japanese media franchise, mm. anime, manga. There might be a game or two. Most notably is they have the 1995 anime, mm-hmm. which is like one of the best animated movies ever, uh, widely considered. But Ghost in the Shell, basically when they announced this project, got into the news for Scarlett Johansson's casting because classic whitewashing. Her character is an Asian woman. And they spun it how, oh, well, we couldn't make this movie without the star power Scarlett Johansson. And now all the supporting characters are lesser known Asian actors. So be happy for us because we're helping those people because Scarlett Johansson's the lead. And it's pretty it's shitty. It's pretty reasoning. shitty. It seems they are trying to be as faithful to the themes as possible. Sure. There is some cool stuff in Ghost in the Shell. So I'm interested in checking it out. That comes out at the end of March. It looked yeah. interesting. I mean, I, I don't feel it's very... It's very out there, fu- dystopian, futuristic. Yeah, I think the only thing is... So, Scarlett Johansson and then Michael Pitt is also in this. He was in Boardwalk Empire. He's been in a ton of things. I just wasn't sure I really got what was going on. And obviously, you're not supposed to. There's supposed to be some sort of mystery behind, mm. you know... Yeah, it doesn't really sell what it is, if you right. don't have any idea what's going um, on. So, I, I didn't think it was a great trailer, but it seems like an interesting yeah. premise. Also, Scarlett Johansson basically in a bodysuit. Yeah. Which is like an iconic aspect of the... Pretty... I mean, I, movie, apparently. I'm pretty interested in that. Yeah. So that might. They're be talking cool. about how they recreated that, the, the nude suit. So well, that's uh, cool, I guess. That that was a, a very intriguing part to that. So <laughs> we'll have more thoughts if if that movie is something we decide to talk about moving forward. Yeah. March um, 31st. A trailer I was super hyped about. 
Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, now we've been buddy. we've been having an ongoing discussion about live action. I've I've been usually taking the side of I don't really want want the live action. But I've been supporting alone. Disney live action because yes. they're always really good. And it looks amazing, man. I mean, be our fucking guest, man. <laughs> I'm so stoked. Uh, I will be seeing Beauty and the Beast. And Luke Evans probably is going to be a dope guest on. Yeah. Like I was like, yeah, I can get behind that. Good looking dick. Absolutely. <laughs> Douchebag, not dick. That's what I meant. <laughs> well, and they have a ton of really good people. So I think we already knew that, but I mean, Ewan McGregor, I don't know his role, I guess. He's one, one of the Cogsworth is uh, Ian McKellen. Yeah, I mean. Uh, Josh Gad's another one guy. Yeah, Kevin Klein. Yeah. I mean, Stoked. Uh, it's, it's packed. And they. I was seeing a, a video where they were showing side by side, like the cartoon version and mm-hmm. the animated or the, the live action, I should say. Right. It looks pretty close and pretty spectacular. We know how fantastic Emma Watson is. She already. she's bay man. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Some of the shots of her in the trailer, I was just I just swooned a little bit because I was like, she's she's too beautiful and just too talented. I'm I'm, I'm glad she's getting this. Getting, and she's also super this. smart and and very active in politics, which is yeah. also. Now she went to Brown. Yeah. After Harry Potter. I know. Good I I could we we could have gone to Brown yeah. and she was there. Why didn't we do that? That's a good point. You know, Beauty and the Beast used to scare the shit out of me as a kid. Especially same thing, Alice in Wonderland for me. Especially the sequ, you know, Beauty and the Beast has that sequel where it's like all Christmas time and there's like that organ that talks, really, the evil organ thing. I was not that thing that. terrified me for years, <laughs> and I watched I, I YouTube him just to try and like you know mm-hmm. jumpstart the the memory or have bad flashbacks. So I was like, all right, I see why I was scared. Not as scary now, but my God, was I terrified of Beauty and the Beast too. Dave, do you want to talk about it? And the first one. I also was kind of afraid of Snow White. I don't know the evil witch is really and the mirror is. Fucking freak me out, man. I was always Alice in Wonderland. I, I still really can't watch it because it just creepy freaks stuff. me out. Yeah, just, I don't know. I think just, like, the alternate reality and how people are really creepy and kind of right. sly. I never really got scared from that. Willy I can Wonka, understand what you mean. Willy Wonka was also creepy to me. You know, like, like the part where they go through the tunnel. Isn't there like, um, a Willy Wonka bit in the New Tribe album? There is. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's that part. That's the scary part where they go through the tunnel and Gene Wilder just gets crazier and crazier. Right. The rowers won't stop yes. rowing. And it's like, ah! <laughs> so creepy. Another trailer, which I'm tentatively optimistic about, Valerian. Yeah, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. I had heard about this movie just in terms of like comments, but I didn't really know much about mm-hmm. it. And it's adapted from French sci-fi comic series called Valerian and Leveline, I believe is the girl's Ooh. name. So it's Dane Dehan, who was in Chronicle. Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yep. And of course, Cara Delevingne, who's mm-hmm. been actually acting a Suicide lot Suicide Squad. Lately. Obviously the marquee villain of Suicide Squad in all her glory. Oh, God. JK. Uh, but <laughs> JK, LOL. The effects look really good. The sci-fi world looks really good. It gave me a Guardians of the Galaxy feel. Yeah, and some of the planetary city stuff, I was like, wow, that reminds me of Coruscant from the Star Wars prequels. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I I don't know the dynamic between Valyrian and Leveline. Like, Mm -hmm. obviously there's like a romance aspect to how they're going to tell that story. I don't really know how the narrative goes. I'm not familiar. But just from the setting alone, I'm super down. That looks really cool. That's going to be a July Temple movie, hopefully. Yeah. When I saw the the trailer at first, because it it had the Beatles in it. Oh, Because. The the Beatles song, Because. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, this is an older song. I actually thought it was Guardians of the Galaxy, because you don't actually see Valerian and uh, the other, the girl's name. Lavaline? Lavaline. For a couple of seconds in it, I was like, oh, Guardians of the Galaxy, new trailer, sweet. And then when 
noticed something different. I was like, oh, this seems ah, odd. Right. And then because you have no frame of reference. Yeah, and then there's that that scene where he's like running through the air, but he keeps shooting yeah, and stepping dope. on it. I was like, oh, that's uh, that that totally sucked me in. So I'm mildly interested in this, right. optimistic, and we'll I'll, I'll see if I get more hyped as the yeah. more trailers. Come At out. the very wor- worst, it's gonna be a valiant effort. Yeah, it looks cool. See, like Jupiter ascending from a few years ago with Chang Tatum and Mila Kunis and Eddie Redmayne with his terrible voice. That didn't look promising from the start as an out there sci-fi thing. This looks promising. So. It, it looks very promising. Another movie which I think looks promising that's also in outer space is Life. Starring mm-hmm. Jake Gyllenhaal and Ryan Reynolds. Looks like International Space Station. They find some life form on Mars. It's this little yes. cell and it turns out to be more than they bargained for. Mm. So kind of like Gravity and Alien I guess put together. It's more than I bargained for Dormammu. <laughs> so what do you think about this? Yeah, I didn't know anything about that movie until I saw the trailer before Doctor Strange. Looks decent. Shout out Ryan Reynolds getting those post-Deadpool gigs again. Good for him. Hall. I don't know how weird he's going. He's been going weird lately. This seems pretty conventional. Yeah. So I don't know. But space, aliens, that's up my alley already. So I'm going to watch it. Strangely enough, I feel like I'm very invested in Jake Gyllenhaal's career at this point. Like, I really want to see where he goes. Are you a Prince of Persia fan? No, I was not. (laughs) But Nightcrawler, I thought was... 2014. Yeah, yeah, really sucked me back in. So I'm like, hmm. Shout out Riz Ahmed, one of his first roles. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's awesome in that movie, actually. So... I'm optimistic about this movie as well, but I, I do want to see a little bit When's that more. coming out? Winter, I think? I do not I don't know. Remember. We'll have that out for you more as it comes down the line. Stay tuned on SoundCloud.com slash NostalgiaPod. Why don't we talk about some new songs that came out this past week, Dave? Yeah, a bunch of songs. More, Most of them out of nowhere. I guess the one that was most expected was the new Run the Jewels track. Yeah. 2100 featuring Boots. Mm-hmm. Boots was a feature on Run the Jewels 2 as well. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, it was very Run the Jewels. It had a funky kind of new age beat. You know, a distorted yeah. guitar. Simple drums. I stand by that that album's going to be more or less a surprise drop. Yeah, I, I could probably see it at this point. Let, let little to no warning. Probably. I think it's going to be fantastic. I think they're the best rap duo in the game. By far, right now. Um, I guess maybe. So, uh, duos. Yeah. Maybe Ray. Ray Shremmerd? Yeah, Ray Shremmerd. Yeah, number one song in the nation? Yeah, the Black they, Beatles? They, they could maybe make a case for it right now, but. Hey, you know you've made it when your song Black Beatles spawns a internet trend, the mannequin challenge, and then said white beetle, Paul McCartney, does yeah, that shouts challenge. Yeah, shouts them out. Yeah, and shouts so. them out. That's pretty cool. I wanted to ask you about, I think, the most surprise out of all these Shia LaBeouf's freestyle. Yeah, on uh, Five Fingers of Death <laughs> on Sway in the Morning. Sway! Did not know anything about Child LaBeouf. I think I maybe knew he was a rap fan, but didn't he's know a, about his ability. He's a strange, strange dude. Yeah. I'm so into his acting career right now. He's yeah. been in good movies constantly. Is he Fury? <laughs> in the tank? He was so awesome. He, he's so mad now, apparently. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I feel like Shia LaBeouf is, is weird to say and just kind of off the cuff. I feel like he's like the anti-Miles Teller. He kind of looks like him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Teller like, looks like him, I guess. Yeah, but I feel like... They're about the same age, too. Miles Teller almost, like, he was, like, so high, and then he just kind of became, like, eh. And Shia LaBeouf was so high, and now I'm actually more interested in him somehow than I was when mm-hmm. he first came up, because... Wait, he... how high was Teller? I feel like Teller's still on the come-up. Well, you know, he came up with Project X, and he was he was huge in that, playing a self-titled role. <laughs> but he also, I mean, he was in he was in the movie that won the... Uh, I always want to say Drumline. Yeah, I, I always want to say Drumline. That movie is way better than, than Drumline. But, yeah, he's in Whip- Whiplash. Now I mean, he's one of his first movies Rabbit Hole with Nicole Kidman where she got Academy Award love hmm. in 2010. Interesting. So Miles Teller is actually one of those interesting leading men who's under 30. Is he a leading man? He gets leads. Pretty notable. Yeah, I guess so. Interesting. Bleed for this coming out this weekend, I think. 
right? Yeah, I think so. But I find Shia LaBeouf so much more interesting than Miles Teller. Well, he's already had the tailspin of his career. You know who... <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's what happens when you get big so early. Shia, I think Shia LaBeouf's in his early 30s and already had his tailspin, and now he's like a auteur actor again and also spits freestyles on Sway's radio <laughs> and for he makes, fun. And he makes movies where he's watching himself in a movie theater and crying. Yeah. During it. I mean, he's just an interesting dude. Yeah, he, but, was a, he was a nymphomaniac, and I was like, knowing how <laughs> meta he is, is as an actor now, I can't imagine what it, he was like to be on set, because that's a movie about lots of sex mm-hmm. stuff, so... Not sure if he was a comfortable person to be around in between takes. <laughs> but yeah, shout out Shia LaBeouf for taking shots at Yachty. Yeah. A little, it, little boat reference. And he also, I mean, he, he kind of killed that freestyle. At first it started it off, good. and there was like one point when he couldn't rhyme the two lines, and I was like, oh, this is not going to be good. And then he got in the middle, he kind of got into a flow, and I was like, okay, I can feel this, I can feel this. So yeah, sh- Shout out Rosenberg from Hot 97. He was saying, <laughs> if you're making a big deal about Shia LaBeouf and not talking about Tribe Called Quest, you're not a hip-hop fan. And I was like, you know what? Good. And people are like, Elitist much? He's like, yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so two more songs we wanted to get to. Mm. The XX. Their new song, On Hold, from their upcoming album. I See You. Album, I See You. January 13th. What do you think, Dave? I mean, I, I, I'm a pretty big XX fan. I'll be honest, I had no idea Jamie XX was in a band. What, really? I, I had no I had idea. You, you may have done that. I did not understand now you realize he just is like DJ for it. Yes, I, but I did not know that. Yeah, so it's Rami, Oliver Slim, and Jamie XX. Rami and Oliver sing. That's kind of what the XX are known for is they play off each other. They're they're kind of a minimalist band. Yeah, I can they, tell. Yeah, Jamie XX probably, this is the most complex he's been. Uh, at least, I didn't listen to a lot of Coexist. It's a hard album for me to get through personally. Yeah, they have two albums that are both very... Very short, like under 40 minutes. Yeah, they're, they're short. Their songs are usually... I was going to give it a listen. I didn't get to it. Yeah, I, I'd recommend just listening to the first album. I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of bad to say. You probably want to know a band's whole work, but mm-hmm. first album, if you if you have to listen to one. This song is fire. Straight fire. I mean, the, the sample of I Can't Go For That by Hall & Oates, perfect. And the way it bubbles up and that their, their two voices kind of play off each other is... I think perfect. So. It has the Jamie XX influence compared yep. to past work, right? Yeah, especially on their first album, you don't hear a ton of Jamie XX in there. Yeah, well, basing off that, I'm probably not going to like the early stuff if it's even more minimalist. Check out... It doesn't stand out to me. Yeah, I mean, probably their, the best song off, uh, off their, those albums is Intro and Crystallized, mm. and you can hear a lot of Jamie XX in those too, so I would say check those out. They also just announced that they're going to be going on tour next year, and oh. it looks like they're doing... They, they announced South America, Europe, and I think it was Japan was the other one, I want to say. So not festival season? No, they're, they're doing the festival tour down there. They're doing Lollapalooza in Brazil, in Argentina, Berlin, in Chile. Berlin, they have there. Yep, they're doing shows in Croatia, Czech Republic. So they'll be doing the, almost certainly doing the U.S. festival tour, which hopefully means that we'll be getting some Jamie XX appearances at festivals as well, because mm. that would be awesome to see them next year. Speaking of festivals, not music though. We should go to Tribeca Film Festival. Yes. It's in New York City in like April. Tribeca. That's something to think about. We'll talk about that off air. <laughs> Last song, Dave. Awaken my soul, me and your mama. Right. New album from Josh Gambino. Awaken, Awaken my, my soul. Love. Awaken my love. There you go. Comes out December second. Oh, really? That soon? Mm-hmm. Tracklist uh, is already up, but no features listed, just the names. And the new song, "Me and Your Mama." Right. What do you think? It's different. You said it was. You, I think you said it's very strange. Was what yeah. you asked me. It's getting a lot of love, for sure. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, I, I don't even know what how to really explain it, other than it's not 
typical Gambino genre fair. No. I'm very intrigued to see what this album is like, if that's a sign of things to come. It's a nice starter track for the project, because I think it's the first song on the album. I do have to say, it feels like the progression from something like Sober to this mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense, because it feels like he's moving just in more of a yes. singing, funky R&B direction. Yeah, the Kawhi part of the Still Mountain Kawhi yeah. tape was heavy R&B, so that would make sense. Honestly, I thought the, the blues funk and kind of his like screaming singing mm-hmm. was perfect for this song. I like the production. Yeah, and the way it, it just kind of dropped in out of nowhere after building up so so gently was, mm. I thought, fantastic. I've been listening to that and on hold basically nonstop for the last five days, so I'm really excited for both those projects. Now, you alluded to another song performance that happened this weekend, Kate McKinnon on SNL. That's right. So she shouted out Leonard Cohen while mm-hmm. dressed as Hillary Clinton Yep. by singing his song Hallelujah as the cold open for SNL. What did you think about that? SNL, whether they liked it or not, had a Trump host about a year ago, you know, during the start of the primary season, right? Whether they liked it or not, what do you mean? Well, you, you can't, like, lament and be sad about a candidate winning when you had them as a host. During an election. I mean, you can't just be so partisan like that one way and then right. then have it have it the other way by having them host and oh being all buddy buddy with that's why at least I honestly like that Jimmy Fallon is so spineless about this stuff and he's like, I don't like talking about politics, so I'm gonna make jokes and pretend nothing's happening mm-hmm. and ignore all of this. At least he's consistent. Right. But like SNL like come on man. Like especially like this soon and using Leonard Cohen's uh, convenient passing. For right. your purposes, it's kind of unnecessary, I think. SNL, I mean, they kind of take a very self-righteous and self-important view on these things sometimes. And though they, they're definitely trying to match the, the tone of, of what, what they felt like the nation was feeling, mm. they also have to remember that they broadcast to a national audience and... Their job is to be comedians, anyway. Yeah, they're, they're supposed to be funny, and there's nothing funny about that open. I mean, Kate McKinnon basically was crying during it, and I understand that the vibe up in New York City is that people are very upset about this election, but in many parts of the country, people are pretty happy about the yeah. outcome. I mean, yeah. the landed coastal elite yes. whining, it, it, especially a few days later, like, and your, your wipers, and like, not really for you to do right now. Seth Meyers had some good things to say, more intellectual. I thought Seth Meyers and Colbert both did a really good job giving some pointed thoughts about the election. What did you think of Dave Chappelle hosting in general? I watched his opening monologue. It was about 10 minutes long. That was mm-hmm. good. Kind of classic Chappelle yep. comedy. Because it's basically just him doing stand-up. <laughs> yeah. Topical stand-up. And then I made the, the, like a Walking Dead sketch. And with that... his old characters from the Chappelle right. show. Right. Yeah, I didn't awesome. watch that. Yeah, no, it was pretty good. The only thing I wished happened in that was Charlie Murphy came out at the end and kicked Negan. Because Negan ended up hitting the head off one of the Chappelle show characters. Which, uh, <laughs> it was pretty interesting. Honestly, this is probably the best episode of SNL I can think of since SNL 40. I guess Ryan Gosling's is pretty good as well. The only other thing that really stood out in this episode is Kate McKinnon is goddamn force of nature dude she's so talented she, she won the emmy last year so predicted the emmy this but yeah that's right soundcloud.com slash nostalgia pod stay plug-in but her ruth bader ginsburg impression <laughs> was maybe the funniest impression i've seen I, I on, on that show funny. in a long time so definitely look that up if you haven't seen it the musical guest on snl this week was a tribe called quest dave and they right. have a new album that's called right. we got it from here thank you for your service correct what are your thoughts on the album it's a good album. It's a good listen. It's about an hour long, two discs. Their first album in 18 years. Their final album because Fife Dog, Fife Dog. passed away in March. 
It does not sound like classic tribe, obviously. It's not a uh, boom bap golden age hip hop. Mm-hmm. Like the ni- their nineties records. There are elements in there, for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of guitar though. You know, Jack White was a lot on a lot of these songs. A lot of guitar, sometimes to the detriment of the bars, in my opinion. But there's some really cool songs on there. A song with Kendrick, a song with Anderson Pack, song with yeah. So Conrad Kanye, Tokyo Andre. featuring Kendrick, Anderson Pack moving backwards, Andre 3000 on Kids, Kanye and and uh, Talib Kweli on the Killing Season. Yep. They sample Elton John for yeah, solid wall of sound. Solid wall of sound. They sample Benny and the Jets. Shout out Petty and the Jets. <laughs> Buster Rhymes makes an appearance. Obviously, yeah. he kind of made his presence felt in the world in the 90s on Scenario. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, one of the best posse cuts of all time in rap. So that's cool to see Busta there. Yeah, but I think the biggest takeaway for me about this is it's 40-something-year-old rappers actually delivering mature music. Because we live in a world where Jay-Z is getting more and more corny with his... <laughs> Punchlines and Eminem is Eminem, about the same shit he did twenty. Eminem thinks it's cool to rape be him. a fucked up personality again and talk about violence and rape as if yeah. you're not a sober multimillionaire who's right. been a loser for a while now, just living in your wealth. So this is actually very refreshing in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to ask you because it seems like you're kind of lukewarm on it. You think it's good but not great. Yeah. It, it, take away the fact that it's Tribe Called Quest. If you listen to this album and just heard it, not having any context to what a Tribe Called, Called Quest's history was, would you would you have thought it was a really good album? It, it it's not that kind of style. Isn't my top. Okay. My favorite kind of rap. It's like super ethereal. You know, you can't just put it on. It's kind of like a mood mood listen in my opinion but no it's really good there's some really good bars and i think uh, the, the features fl- uh, fit in really well i think anderson oh anderson, anderson pack killed amazing. it amazing when he drops into that song and kind of the only the bass is left it's mm. maybe the most beautiful moment on yeah. the album uh opinion. kanye good chorus i think yeah uh, really inspired effort and andre 3000 yeah really good feature on uh kids right i thought yeah i, th- I thought that the, this was produced beautifully because yeah uh, that's the q-tip influence yeah listening to it there were parts where i was like oh the song's just over and just ends pretty abruptly but the next song jumps back in it feels like it it flows so well and there were a lot of surprises i did not expect to hear like you said the willy wonka thing (laughs) that's in the beginning too yeah it's like i think the after the first song yeah and then that that goes right into nelton john which is i think the third or fourth song right where busta shows up yeah yeah there's just so many different parts that really jump out and i think all the features really make sense too like Kendrick's track sounds like a Kendrick track like if you pulled it out I'd be like oh this could be on a Kendrick yeah, album and that's well. a that's a funky song oh it Tokyo is too. sidebar and Andre 3000 he's definitely getting close to he's an back. album yeah he's had six high profile features this year Travis Scott hey. Frank Ocean Tribe technically hey. 30 hours Kanye <laughs> uh, Solange and he's, oh, he's on the upcoming Cuddy album that is coming out soon, like very soon, the one that's already After done. he fights Drake. Yeah, so 3000 is out there working in studios again with other people. That's a good sign. Do you think he would ever do another album with Big Boy? No, I don't think so. No? Interesting. I mean, I think Big Boy would be down. It just doesn't seem like Andre 3000. He hasn't exactly been a hard worker musically. <laughs> I don't think how you can say anything to the contrary at this point. He's been, quote, in the studio for, what, 12 years? Like, <laughs> Is there a harder worker than that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would love to see an Andre 3000 record. I'm just not going to hold my breath for it. I, actually, I saw some people, interesting, uh, Jamel Hill on ESPN, talking about, like, rap groups and who they, you know, have at their top. And A Tribe Called Quest, a lot of people, it's the best 
one of the best. Mm-hmm. Personally, I think that you have NWA, yeah, Run DMC, and A Tribe Called Quest. Public Enemy. And then, yeah, next tier for me is Public Enemy, De La Soul, Two Live Crew. Oh, very top, uh, top tier also Wu Tang Clan, obviously. Wu Tang. Uh, ah, the, did you hear any? Did you hear Martin Shkreli streamed some of the Wu Tang? I did. Album? I actually found that somehow, and I watched it for a few minutes. And then it's he just talked. An intro. Right? And then yeah, then he talked, and I was like, "This guy sucks. I, He's I the can't worst. deal with this. I'm not giving this guy a view." <laughs> you already did. You got your click. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> the watch time though, important uh, metric. F that up for him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, honestly, when this came out, I went back and I listened to. Tribe's first three albums mm-hmm. really made me appreciate their second album, Low in Theory, and obviously their best album, Midnight Marauders. Mm-hmm. Those albums are still absolutely classic, 10 out of 10s. But this album's really good, and it's awesome that it, it came out. Definitely more of a Q-tip record than a true Tribe album, but yeah. there's a good piece on the New York Times about the reconciliation of Tip, Q-tip and Fife Dog and how they kind of made this record over the past mm. like year or so. So that's a that's a good read. Check that out. Also, I'm just thinking of this. Does it annoy you that Ti has been going by the nickname Tip basically the whole this whole time, when Q-Tip is like the OG Tip? Ti, couldn't you've had a better nickname? That's not totally the same thing. Ti is like secretly a loser though, right? No, Ti ruled the South for like well, five years. Yeah, for like five years. But now isn't he kind of loser? Didn't he like go to jail and now he's kind of oh he had a lot of legal issues. He's fine. He runs Grand Hustle. He's he's doing good. I, I, I just thought that, like, but he was able to run the South with that nickname, and I know Q-Tip's from New York, yeah. but still, I just thought that eh, when they came up, people didn't people let that slide. I just realized this now. Obviously, I wasn't sure. old enough to notice that at the time. Honestly, all I know is that Ti made one of my favorite rap songs of all time, "Rubber Band Man," which <laughs> I just. I don't know. Very and nostalgic to the early 2000s. T.I. helped put Iggy Azalea on, so you can thank him for that. <laughs> oh, jeez. Why don't we move on before we get go sure. too far down the T.I. rabbit hole? So, Dave, <laughs> I saw... If there is such yeah. a thing. So, Dave, I, I saw a movie yesterday. I want to talk to you about it. You saw it with Sean? Yeah, I saw, I saw it with Sean. I was wondering if you were going alone. No, a friend of the podcast, Sean McKenna, shout out for going to Doctor Strange to me. Neither one of us really knew what to expect going in. We both wanted to see it. Mm-hmm. I was really impressed with this movie. Now, good. I've mentioned that I've had a little bit of superhero fatigue right. on the show, and you say, oh, there's no such thing. Never enough superheroes. Not more superheroes, said. more space. Just keep giving me all the superheroes in space. And I was Don't like, go yeah, Tarantino right. voice I on me. I was like, all right, Dave, all right. I'll, I'll go see Doctor Strange. I'm glad that I did, because this was a very refreshing superhero movie, I think because it w- didn't really follow a lot of the classic guidelines. The structure of the movie, yeah. I thought, was very similar. You know, they, they sure. it's an intro movie. The origins, yeah, origin the origin story, story, familiar beats. Right. But what, what I found to be different was the way that he beat the main villain was different. Yes. I thought the story between him and, I guess, the, the love interest in this was... I thought different Rachel from, McAdams, yeah, Rachel Christine McGad- Palmer. I thought it was a lot different than many other origin stories. She didn't die. She didn't. <laughs> they didn't actually have like a real romance. It was just more of like a strained. Yeah, I guess. If anything, she could have used more to do. Yeah, uh, because, absolutely. Because it's not like the character passes the Bechtel test. It's she's just there to react to mm-hmm. what Doctor Strange does. Right. The world that he ends up kind of learning his powers in is completely different than anything I've ever really seen, other than Inception, yeah. which is a dream world. And so you weren't confused about the dimension stuff watching it. You were worried about it being like Inception. 
I wasn't I wasn't confused at all because I wasn't trying to figure it out. I was it also like, wasn't I just that hard to understand, right? Yeah, I just basically <laughs> they're like, okay, when you're in this mirror mirror dimension, you, you aren't seeing the other one. You can't hurt things. And then mm. when you're in this dimension, the astral plane, Pat. Right, and and basically I was just like, this is just cool. I wasn't trying yeah, to like make sense. It's of cool. It. I don't need to. It's understand a really it. fun movie. It's a superhero movie. It's and not real life. It is the fourteenth Marvel film. Despite that, it's largely disassociated from the other Marvel movies. Like, Ant-Man, for example, had Falcon show up in the middle, mm-hmm. which was not a bad thing, but... Well, Thor's in this movie, technically. Right, well, Thor's in at the end, but... And they name-checked name drop the Avengers, and you see Avengers mm-hmm. Tower in New York, but this, you know, self-contained Doctor Strange story, but the thing that I was so impressed with was that they introduced magic, yeah, like cosmic magic, to the Marvel Cinematic Universe successfully. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was absolutely successful. With a character that we didn't know yet, so, like, they totally brought that in... And the visuals were fantastic. Really helped with the storytelling. Yeah, the the CGI watching, I mean, the scene where it basically becomes New York City going one way and then falling from a different direction and coming up from the bottom. I was like, if I was in LSD right now, I'd probably have to yeah. run, move, like run out of the movie theater. Yeah. So that was some trippy shit. Incredible. I guess one of the one of the performances that stood out to me was Tilda Swinton. Yes, as the ancient one. Yeah, the ancient good. one. I think I had said I was a little bit skeptical about her taking a, a role that was, I think, classically Chinese in the comic book. Yeah, right? Asian male. Yeah. Some, some some more whitewashing. In, uh, I, I think think we talked about that in a past pod, how that yeah, nece- doesn't ago, necessarily fit for this, but I thought she was fantastic. Yeah. Kind of enchanting in Very a way. Good. Very Yoda-like. Yes. You know what I actually heard recently? Part of the reason they think that they didn't cast Asian one as a Tibetan male, they said to not buy into the stereotype. But also, if they made him a Tibetan male, they're acknowledging Tibet, which China doesn't do. And this movie wouldn't have played in China. And that's where some lot of money ah, is. Ah, interesting. Soon to be the biggest box office in the world. So, later, later there. You know who I thought had, could have used more to do was Chiwetel Ejiofor. Oh, as Mordo? Yeah. I thought he could have used some more to do. He was good, though. Yeah, I mean, he was, I thought he was good, and he was fantastic. I thought he was fantastic. That's why I wanted to see right. him do more. Well, I really <laughs> like how they set him up for the future. He's because, just gonna be a villain now, right? Well, because Baron Mordo is a top villain against Doctor Strange. Ah. But the way we have this whole movie setting it up, that they actually have a relationship, and I guess you can understand where Mordo's coming from, just being like a Type A guy, and actually kind of by. Buys into uh, Mads Mikkelsen's Casilius, the villain. Mads was awesome, though. Because is he a perfect Marvel villain? No. But he actually had understandable motivations. He felt betrayed by the Ancient One in terms of like, the secret she was keeping. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of see that. So I think there was things to like about him. He needed more scenes, I think. I agree. There was a few times where like, we could have shown some things, less exposition-y dialogue, yeah. benefit the character. But overall, I thought he was effective. But actually, watching the whole movie, the third act, where he basically goes to the dark dimension and sees Dormammu, which mm-hmm. is like arch-villain of Doctor Strange villains. Most people, we didn't expect him to be in this. We thought maybe he'd be referenced, and they didn't name drop him kind of early on. Mm-hmm. But if you remember, did you see Green Lantern? Did you see Fantastic Four, Rise of Silver Surfer? No. In both of those movies, the main villain, uh, Parallax and Galactus, respectively, like these big like clouds, right? These like big like larger than life like world destroying villains, and they show up at the end of the movie and they get defeated in some dumb way in like two minutes and that's that and it's not fulfilling at all. Mm-hmm. Dormammu clearly was more powerful than Doctor oh. Strange. He killed him like a dozen times, right? Mm-hmm. But Doctor Strange like was was clever. He like outwitted him like a Captain Kirk Star right. Trek kind of thing. And that's so much different than right. punching your way out of a situation right. like most Marvel movies and end up being. It, 
if that's if he had somehow defeated Dormammu like that, it would have totally ruined it, mm-hmm. uh, as evidence in other movies. But that scene really worked, and it demonstrated that he's a you know larger than life, more powerful villain that is way power more powerful than right. Doctor Strange. Now, obviously, he's going to be playing into the Avengers moving forward and the Marvel Universe moving forward. I think he's already confirmed to be in Infinity Wars, correct? Yeah, and we and assume this, Thor three because yeah. there was filming of Hemsworth in New York with like the a picture of Strange's address. Right. So that's that post credit scene we see where they're meeting is probably just a scene in Thor three. Right. I'm wondering. So Je- Jeff Goldblum was, was cast as the Grand Master. I I kind of hope Doctor Strange and the Grand Master end up having like a. That's an out. interesting thought. I don't know. I'm curious to see how much he really is in this movie because it's gonna it's clearly a Thor and Hulk movie first. But yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, I. I I, I like the the, uh, the third act uh, where he outwits Dormammu. Yeah. Because it basically was a situation where they were, they were defeated, and what what usually happened in a Marvel movie, they would have found some like cheap way to be like, oh, but we can still do this, and then that would have saved them just in the nick of time. Right. Like that. But well, they, they Wong's like, oh, yeah, it's an Infinity Stone. Be careful. And right. That's what's good. Oh fuck, Infinity Stone that can save us. Yeah. And it did, but. They didn't destroy it. They didn't have a, a, a final like mm-hmm. beatdown as the city gets destroyed. They undestroyed the city. Nice right. little change of pace. And it wasn't even like he really like defeated Dormammu. I mean, Dormammu was out there. No, yeah, what did him. And he's yeah, and it's just that he he came to bargain. He made a bargain. <laughs> so I I really liked that. It was very refreshing to see a movie a Marvel superhero movie not end with someone just punching their way out of a paper bag. And I thought Cumberbatch was awesome. Oh, fantastic. I mean, you can kind of see he's experienced at playing a smug dick yeah like in Sherlock he plays it perfectly <laughs> and but yeah I thought, I, thought it, I thought it was good some criticisms I saw the reviews are overwhelmingly positive it has like a 90 at Rod Tomatoes but one of the criticisms is that origin takes a little too long and also we, we acknowledge that it has familiar beats mm-hmm. but perhaps that story could have been told like a non-linear fashion something to make it less familiar which I understand but I think that given that this is a character nobody knows and the whole introducing magic angle, I think being conventional for the sake of making sure everything else works was yeah. a smart way to go. I agree. And Marvel g- generally tends to be safe, but that being said, we're getting a sequel to Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, they take a lot of risks still. Yeah. So. It, but the thing is, I was thinking about it, and they can do that because they basically, they know that, that people love these movies, that people yeah. have bought in and are just oh, yeah. like, I'm going to see a Marvel movie when it comes out. Right. So they can take these risks, whereas you think about we've talked about this ad nauseum, DC can't really take those risks right now. They, they, need they to, still have to get off the ground with the main right. guys. Yeah, it's basically like the difference between the Spurs and like the the New York Knicks or something like that. And the Knicks want to win now, whereas the Spurs, they can take a little bit of time to develop because they have that, that coaching security. That, <laughs> that I don't know, maybe not, not the best analogy, but I think you understand sure. what I'm saying. Is they, yeah. they, they can slow play a little bit, whereas DC is trying to push forward too quickly. I liked how... Strange's cape had a nice personality, like yeah. the, ru- the magic carpet and Aladdin. Cool. Apparently, the effects were done by the same guys who did the uh, rocket raccoon effects in Guardians. Ah, very cool. But yeah, it did seem to have like nice personality. I thought that was cool. Yeah, and I also thought the fight scenes were. I mean, obviously they were interesting because the, the. I think every fight scene was good. Were moving and stuff, but he he even beat the people in those fight scenes in creative ways when he pushed the people out into Egypt and then switched the. All the dimension stuff was yeah. was was really cool. The astral plane fight in the hospital, oh, I think was, was the best scene in the movie. 
That was pretty nuts. Because, like, Rachel McAdams is, like, trying to, like, yeah. do operating. Shot and then, like, again. And then, like, things shake. Like, yeah. And she gets, like, so freaky. Yeah, so that, that was really good. Rolling backwards a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I thought Rachel McAdams did really well because, obviously, she had a pretty tough role where she had to... Thankless role, not much to do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I also, for some reason, watching the first, was the first act when he's just kind of doing surgery, I kind of just wanted to watch that movie, too. Just, like, watching him go in and do, like, crazy surgeries and stuff. I was so into that for some reason. Yeah, I... <laughs> I talked to someone who like not a Marvel, per- not really a Marvel person. They didn't really know much. It's like, yeah, I really liked it. Then it got like too like too spacey towards the end, and I was like, you do realize this is a movie about a guy who's <laughs> a magician, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he deals in magic. He's definitely basically a sorcerer. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to say, I have gone to a lot of these movies and kind of just been like, okay, I've seen this before. But, like I even think back to Civil War and a lot of that felt familiar except for the scene where all the superheroes were fighting which is still one of my favorite scenes of the past year um, airport scene amazing yeah that, that that's the one i'm referring to yep. and this was refreshing and i'm i'm glad that they did something like this yeah. it's different it had an 85 million opening two weeks ago it only dropped 49 percent in second weekend with 43 this is domestic that's the second best weekend hold over the last 10 mcu movies it'll dr- it won't be number one after this weekend no, I, it won't be a Fantastic Beast, but yeah. it's also the second fastest solo Marvel film to 150 million domestic behind only Iron Man. Hmm. So it's doing very well, and it has like the, the three good things. It has critical acclaim, box office success, and fan love. Hmm. All three of those together working well, so I'm really happy. We're going to see Strange again in Thor 3, and then yep. at least one of the Infinity Wars confirmed, probably both. And then Doctor Strange 2 down the line, maybe he's going to fight Mordo. they got a lot of things on the table. Dormammu's obviously out there. So, and actually, technically, Cassilius isn't dead, right? No. He just went into Dimension. I doubt he ever comes back, but it's out there, right? Yeah. I mean, Maz Mikkelsen, he's going to be in Rogue One. Mm-hmm. He's probably finishing up the year making it a case for a top ten list that we will yeah, be doing. He's also, like, he's kind of trying to pull Samuel L. Jackson. He's trying to get into like, the like, box office, like, totals for his career and just get that up. Yeah. Because he was in a James Bond, he's in a Marvel, and now he's going to be in a Star Wars. So he's, yeah. got, a, he's got some money attached to his career Absolutely. now. Absolutely. He, he plays a great villain, but so it'll be interesting to see him. I guess he will technically be on the dark side in Rogue One, but against his will, so... At least anti-hero. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to, to see that. All right. So I think that's going to be it for today. I want to thank absolutely nobody. Shout out Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor. Yeah, he's, he mean, man, he's fucking electric, huh? He's a... If you want to hear more about Conor McGregor, listen to Dave's podcast, Mercy Rule. Yeah. SoundCloud.com. We're a big UFC enthusiast there. <laughs> yeah. You and Jeff and, and Chris, I guess? Yeah, he's sometimes there, yeah. I feel like Chris is, I guess, host more frequently than... Anyone else, yeah. Yeah. He's been on like 15 times, probably. Yeah. And who else is your guest host? Adam Mahalik? <laughs> not, not friend of the podcast, Adam Correct. Also, and, shout out all of you listening. By the time you're hearing this, we'll have hit 10,000 listens Thanks for nostalgia. Thanks mostly to our uh, Lemonade episode and our uh, Hamilton mixtape episode. Not necessarily. <laughs> Hamilton mixtape is one of our fifth most popular. Fourth. Oh, so Kendrick Untitled Unmastered and Kanye Life of Pablo as and well. And Coloring Book. And Coloring Book, yes. Yeah. Those, those, are the, those are the big ones. All, all those albums were dropped this year. What, what a year in music, by the way. What? What a year in music, by the way. Absolutely. Just like looking back, yeah. I mean, think about that. We just mentioned Kanye, Chance, Beyonce, Frank Ocean. Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar, Tribe Called Quest. Childish Gambino's going to be Yeah. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I'm not putting Solange. Cuddy. 
<laughs> oh, don't forget Drake Views, your favorite album of the year. I actually forgot that that was part of it. New yeah. Drake song with Future? Very generic. Radiohead, Red Hot Chili Peppers also dropped they albums. Bonnie Bear. Definitely doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was a lot of good music this year. So we will be doing some wrap-up shows in December. Power uh, rankings, final total. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to... Lots to go through. Yeah, it's gonna, a lot of list action going on, I think. I should probably start doing that now. Anyways, if you want to find any of us, Dave Martinson, you can find him at Martin Swagger, Patrick Sheehan, at Sheehan World Peace. Mm. You can find this podcast at, at, at Nostalgia Pod. Yeah. We tweeted about Easy. Go listen, go watch it. Yes. Very good show. Awesome. I mean, we'll, we'll maybe touch on that next pod. Let us know if you've come to bargain. <laughs> yeah, give us your thoughts on anything we talked about today, new music, Doctor Strange. Hamilton mixtape songs keep floating out. We'll, we'll probably be talking some more movies next week. Yep. Arrival, maybe Fantastic Beasts, if I'm able to see both of those. We'll see. We're going to see Arrival this week, yes. and then Fantastic Beasts is a weekend movie. Oh, gotcha. So, Got to budget your time, Patrick. Dave, if you want to pay Come for me, to bargain. Dave, if you want to pay for all these movies for me, I'd really appreciate <laughs> if that. If you want to send us money yeah. to afford tickets so we can pontificate, my, you my can point. send us DMs. Yeah, <laughs> Venmo me, bro. <laughs> Patrick dash J dash dash Sheehan. Or sponsor the podcast. It, it Ten thousand listens. It worked on that that one guy signing that football. It worked game. a few times for those so, college game tickets. Yeah, I'll have to try that. So, anyways, pass this along to a friend. Raise on iTunes. Leave us comments. Anything we want to hear from you. Spread us around. Help us get bigger. We love you. We out. All my days, I pray.